Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. It is so good to see everybody here today. Uh, Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Last week, Pastor preached on freedom, and uh, we were talking in our staff meeting this morning, and and he gave me a a verse that I think is very uh, fitting for us going into our time of praise and worship, and we're in Psalm 150, and we're going to read the whole thing, so buckle up. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today, are we breathing? Yes. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, join us this morning as we get ready for worship. Heavenly Father, We welcome you. Lord, we are so thankful for your goodness, for your mercy. God, as we go into this time of praise and worship, Lord, we honor you. God, And we lift up our voices. We lift up our hands. We clap our hands, Father. Lord, we play the strings. We play the cymbals, Father. Lord, in honor of you, God. And we just lift up everything that we have. And the church said, amen, amen. Let's worship. darkness run for cover but the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders and I have resurrection power yes I do still the miracle that I just can't get over my name sons and daughters bought with blood and washed in water sing the praises of the spirit son and father our God will finish what he started our God will finish what he started Greater things are still to come. Whoa, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Whoa, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Whoa, I believe. 
Church, welcome to the presence of God. Amen? Man, what a, what a great move of God this morning. I, I'm telling you, when we get our praise right, when we get our praise right, everything else falls in place. Everything else falls in place. Thank you, praise team, so much for, for leading us, or helping to create the atmosphere that God could enter into our presence today. Amen. Amen. If you would, turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Um, I heard this morning on the news, a true story, that Prime Day is coming up. Y'all know what Prime Day is, right? How many of y'all know what Prime Day is? Yeah, it's like, it's like second Christmas or first Christmas. Really, Christmas comes later in the year. So, But I, I heard that Prime Day is coming up, which you get real great deals on Amazon. Um, do, do you know what you call two monkeys that share an Amazon account? Primates. There you go. Primates. All right, there we go. So there's your joke. Amen. <laughs> if you want to know, uh, I purposely tell cheesy jokes. I'm not that bad of a joke teller, but uh, I'm more silly than I am a, a comedian. Um, one more thing I want to remind you of this, this morning as we're about to go into the Word. Uh, how many of y'all have the church app on your phone? Let me see the hands up. Okay, great, great, great. If you don't, on each one of our doors, there's a barcode, a scan code there. If you want to scan that with your phone... The church app is a great tool that we use here at the church. Um, it is where you can go back and listen to my sermon notes, if you, my sermons if you desire to. If you miss a Sunday or just want to go back and say, did he really just say that? What did he mean there? You know, and you're welcome to do that. It also has, we've got a lot of scriptures today in my message. That's not because I'm unprepared. It's probably because I'm overprepared. But these scriptures all um, reinforce what the Lord has laid on my heart for us today. And so you really want to get that app so you can go back and you can take your own notes in there. It's also got a prayer wall. And now let me say this real quick. If you have the church app, then you're committed to praying for those people in the prayer wall. How many of you like it when people pray for you when you're in need? Every hand should probably be going up, okay? And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to say that's what that app is for. If you put that app out there, it should send everybody a notification that there's a new prayer request. And then you can go out there and see. There's one post today. So you can go out and see what need is in the body so that we can, as I've been teaching on Wednesday nights, that we can encourage each other and help each other um, as we need. So anyway, so make sure you have the church app. So now we are kind of in our summer swing of things. I've ended the, the last message series. I probably will begin in August preaching um, a series on the power of the Holy Spirit, probably be tripping through, taking a trip through the book of Acts, uh, just looking at God's plans uh, for His church that we should be reflecting uh, even today in the 21st century. We just finished one called Going, Going to the Next Level, Living at the Next Level. And we looked at, really, we looked at the book of Joshua and kind of took a trip through the book of Joshua. I really enjoyed that look. I know it went like 16 weeks and saw some of y'all probably saying, man, I wish it was shorter. But each week was a little bit different subject matter, how we can live at the next level. So we're kind of in this in-between time. And during this time, I usually 
Matthew will just, as the Lord leads, preach certain messages as I feel the Holy Spirit leads me that maybe directs us to some things that we need to look at. And, of course, last week we looked at the sounds and sights of our freedom on the 4th of July and how that's what our praise and worship is. I thank you guys. I thank God. Can I be honest? I, I'm going to speak for God. I'm behind this sacred pulpit. I think I can speak for God this way. I think for the most part, for 99.9% of all, y'all, he's proud of the way you put your worship on display today. You humbled yourself. You exalted him. And he filled the room and people were touched and blessed. I know I was. And so I know he appreciates that. It, it means a lot to him. Today, I'm going to be uh, speaking about what you need to know. It's kind of a simple message. It's, very, it's going to be very theologically based, which means we're going to look at a lot of Scripture to prove what I'm saying. I'm probably going to teach a little bit more than I'm going to preach. But I feel like this week, as I was struggling until like Thursday... Lord, what are you trying to say to the church? And I was just kind of, I was, I'm not going to lie to you. My, I felt like my, my prayers were going to the brass ceiling and bouncing back. I, Lord, uh, I mean, I, 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 I question things just like you. Are you there, Lord? Are you listening? I'm not hearing anything. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm doing listening to the podcast. I'm just, Lord, what, what is it you lead to? And a lot of the problem wasn't God. Matter of fact, none of the problem was God. The problem was me. I wasn't hearing him because of things that are happening in my life. All right, and, and, and so very quickly, he, he just simply laid this out there. And really, I'll be honest with you, sometimes my thoughts come from devotional. Sometimes God leads me, uh, I may listen to a podcast. And some of this came from a podcast I had listened to a while back. And, and I'd taken some notes, and God brought me back to it. And basically, here's, here's what he said. He says, what do you know, Tony? What do you know? And so we're going to look at today some things that you better be sure of, some things that you need to know because if there's one thing I have come to understand is that life is full of trials life is full of difficulties life is full of is full of letdowns and disappointments life is full of tests life is full of persecution although I can't really say we're persecuted like the first century church or those Christians who are living in countries where they're literally losing their lives for the gospel there are times that we are persecuted and and God doesn't always make these things go away does he I don't know about you, but my problems are still before my eyes. I just have to compartmentalize them. I have to bring my thoughts into captivity. And that's really what I had to do this week so I could hear from God because they were speaking louder than God was. Not that God can be silenced, but in my mind, they were louder. I, I, I was distracted by what was going on around me in my life and the lives of other people. And so, you know, I, I found, though, that it's during these times that God does his great, greatest work. Think about it. Even in the Bible, the stories we look at are when God did his greatest work. The crisis we find, we, we find ourselves in is when God does his best work. It's when we're persecuted. We find that God does his best work. When we're afflicted, when we're on trial, when we're going through hardships. That's really when God shows up and does his best work, isn't it? I mean, if everything was a, you know, I never promised you a rose garden song, right? You know, it, it's got to be rain. If everything was rosy and sunny all the time, then... In reality, we still need God for our salvation, but we would not realize we need God. Are you, are you, are you hearing what, I'm, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying here today? So God doesn't always deliver us from these hardships because, you know why? They have a purpose. They always have a purpose. They produce something in us as believers. So we're going to look at that. We're going to be going through some scriptures here and then we'll end up with three things you better know about God and then we'll, we'll sing Kumbaya and... and Pray over you and let you go, all right? I hope, I hope people come to the altar, but we'll see what happens. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 3. It reads this way in the NIV. Um, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. So Paul, in making that statement, sounds almost like it's a norm. It's almost like, hey, you're going to have suffering in life, and you know what we're going to do in it? We glory in it, because why? We know that suffering produces perseverance. When we go through suffering, we don't think of it that way, though, do we? Let me ask you a question. I, I sensed the presence of God, the Spirit of God moved. I was listening and I was watching. I sing a hallelujah. Man, I saw hands. I heard voices going up. But can I be honest with you? When you're going through the storm, when you're going through the hardship, when you're facing the uncertainty of life, is that really what's happening in your mind, in your life, and in your voice? Are you really? Oh, God, I raise the hallelujah. Thank you for this pain in my back. I raise a hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just ran out of money in my checking account. I raise a hallelujah. My wife just kicked me out of the bedroom because I'm snoring too loud, right? 
I mean, I'm being silly because I want to draw you in, but I really want you to think about when the hardships come, when the hard times come, do we, do we really raise a hallelujah and find joy and thanksgiving in that? Or do we say, oh God, please deliver me from this hardship. Oh God, take this pain away from me. Oh God, please shut that door. Oh God, open this door. Maybe I'm going to preach a little bit. No, when God says, and what God does, he comes along and says, oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to take this away. I don't need to take this away because what you're going through is going to produce something in you. Whatever you're going through is designed to produce something that is within you. And verse 4 says perseverance. And then character. Boy, we need some character in this world. And then character produces hope. It's through what? The hard times. The suffering. James puts it this way. If you want to turn over to James chapter 1. Like I said, these are all in the app. So you can always go back and look at this. Because I really think everybody ought to be really, really taking some personal notes. As the Holy Spirit checks your spirit, ministers to you through what you're going through. Because I guarantee you right now, if I said, if, if you're not going through some kind of hardship and challenge. Let's do that. Who today is not going through hardships and challenges? I can't put my hand up. Praise God. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Praise God, Atlanta. I want to come hang out with you. (laughs) Because most of us are facing. We are facing that. And to be honest with you, human nature says every day, because of our outlook in life, pretty much every day there's going to be some kind of crisis. It may not be as bad as it was yesterday or as bad as it might be tomorrow. But we're all facing crisis. Even if you lock your keys in your car, that's a major crisis. I haven't done that, by the way. Not lately. I got one of those vehicles that no longer has a keyless entry. I have to have the key in my pocket. So James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Consider it pure joy. Oh what Lord that you bless me with all good things Lord. That God you order my steps Lord. Do I, do I count it all pure joy uh, because of all these great things you're doing? He says my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about that. Because you know that the testing of your faith. What does it produce? It produces perseverance. Yeah. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. I probably should have asked this question before I read that scripture. But how many of y'all really want to mature in the Lord? Really want to grow in the Lord? Really want to grow in your faith? Really just really want to get to that place where we're almost face to face with God? Like Moses. We love Moses. He, he didn't come face to face, but he got to see the backside of God. God hit him in the cleft. Yeah, I mean, that's what I want. Or Paul, right? Gets knocked off his donkey onto his donkey and the shining of the brightness. He had an encounter with Jesus, right? Yeah, I want that. Well, guess what? It comes through a school of suffering. It comes, maturing comes through the school of Suffering. Suffering is not designed to destroy us. God doesn't use it to destroy us. He doesn't use it to discourage us. I know there's times we get discouraged, but that's not the purpose of the trials, the tests, the tribulations that come our way. Or it's not designed to tear us down. Suffering is about what? Growing you. It's about growing you. We don't like this, but it's about growing you. Turn over to 1 Peter. It's going to be on the wall. Come on. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you going here today. I think this is so foundational for us today in, in, in the world. Just just in general, but definitely in our church today. First Peter chapter 1. I love to hear the pages turn or the clicking of your phones. Just make sure you're not on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and post right now. Guys, I'll get back on in a minute or Instagram because right now my pastor's really preaching really well. He's teaching and preaching and the glory is filling up the church. I better get off here before lightning strikes because I need to be paying attention because God's got a word for me today. I came today to get fed. I came today to receive something and God has prepared my pastor this week through his trials, his through tribulation so that he can speak into my life and help me see my life a little bit differently and not from my circumstances but from what I know who God is. So let's just get all in one page right here right now. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says this. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. What have come? Trials. But why? Why have they come? So that the proven genuineness of your faith it's there to prove something about your faith. It's there to prove that your faith is genuine. 
You're not just having faith in God because everything's going well. You're having faith in God because you know he's God. There's some things you have to know. Paul's getting to what he knows here. Of greater worth than gold. No, he's saying he's, it's there to try to test your faith, to, to see that it's, it's greater than gold, which perishes even though fire refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So trials, hardships, the sufferings, they're all part of the process of growing us in the Lord. So what you, what, what you have to do is you have to be ready. I want you to be ready. I want you not only survive the hardships of life. Man, I'm 56 years old. 56, right? I always get this wrong. 56 years old. I've seen some hardships. But the reality is there's hardships yet to come. Right? And, and, and so that's what it is. I want to be prepared. I, I want to finish strong. I, I want to go through life strong. I want to go through life victorious. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be identified by my crisis. I don't want to be dictated to by my crisis. They're part of who I am. They're part of my life. But through it, there's victory. Through it, there's growth. Through it, there's maturity in the Lord. Through it, God is revealed. Christ is revealed. Through it, my faith is tested and proven to be genuine. Not based just on the fact that God is my sugar daddy, that God delivered me, but that I some things I've got to know about who God is guess I'm going to preach today I thought I was going to teach more today God wants Christ revealed in you to help you I want to look at two people today we've actually already been looking at one one in the New Testament one in the Old Testament uh, that I believe because of their experience of suffering and disappointment can speak volumes that they can teach us something that we need to know today about God in the New Testament it's Paul if you don't know the story of Paul, I'm not going to go through all of it, but over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you want to turn there with me, you're going to find some things he went through. He had a tough life. When he chose to give up his walk uh, out of legalism, walk out of Judaism, walk, become a Pharisee, and chose Christ, or really Christ chose him, when he decided to answer the call that Christ called him to, things did not go well for Paul. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, I have worked much harder. Okay, we've all worked hard, Paul. Been in prison more frequently. Well, they let me go a couple hours after I went in there. It was just a visit somebody. Been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. The 40 lashes, what they would do is that they would take the cat of nine tails or a, a, a whip that would have metal bone pieces like that, and they would whip you 13 times on this shoulder from the back. It would wrap around and rip the flesh off. They'd do you 13 times on this shoulder, then they'd do you right down the middle of the back. The idea of that really is for, for crucifixion. Although Paul was not crucified at this point, the idea was to tear apart all the muscles. You start bleeding out, you become weak, and you can't pull yourself up to breathe. He went through that five times. Jesus went through that once, of course, then was crucified. Paul went through that five times. They say one, but out of mercy. 13, 13, 13 equals 39 and they just held off on the one. I don't know if that's because of addition problems. Maybe they need Brother Steve, you there to help them count. I don't know. They didn't have a calculator. Maybe they didn't have enough fingers, toes, and noses. I don't know. Paul went through. He says, I was once pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in dangers in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. In other words, I have had no rest from danger. This is my life. This is what I've been living. I have labored and I have toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. On top of all of that, I carry this burden of being your spiritual father and leading you and shepherding you. This is a, a heaviness emotionally upon who, on my being, on my psyche, on who I am. I'll be honest with you, when I think I'm having a bad day, I come back and read this passage. Because this is, my day is a good day compared to Paul's life, right? See, I believe it's safe to say that Paul was a mature believer in Christ. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think, I think that it's safe to say that he was a mature believer, follower of Christ. And the question is, is how did he get to that place? Through his suffering. How did he get to know Christ the way he knew Christ? Through his suffering. 
how did he know to speak to you about having pure joy when you're going through hard times? Because he went through hard times, see. It was through these times that he matured. And so I believe there's some things that we can learn from Paul that he learned through his suffering that actually he passes on to us. It's about growing in the Lord. See. So what's the wisdom? What would Paul, what, what could he teach us about suffering? Well, I, there's a lot, but I want to be brief, a little briefer than where I am right now. I need to pick up the pace, I know. But I feel like you're, you're here. I think you're in the moment with me. Because we're all there, except for one. Praise God. I hope that maybe next week more of us are in that place where we don't have this type of suffering. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It should be chapter 1. The books of Timothy are written by Paul to a young pastor that he was mentoring. And we find that chapter 2, we find, we believe that this is possibly the last book that Paul may have written. We don't know for sure. What we do know from the context of this is that Paul pretty much believes that he's about to lose his life. He goes from saying, fight the good fight, to saying, I have fought the good fight. He's sitting in a prison, facing possibly death for his faith, for his belief in Christ, for him proclaiming the gospel. And he writes this to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, for the, we all, you guys could probably quote this, but this is within context. I want you to read this now from the context that Paul is facing probably certain death here. After all, he's already, we just read a few minutes ago, Corinthians. He says, for the Spirit of God gave, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. We, we hear that in the King James, for the Spirit of God does not give us the spirit of fear. Timidity, timid, okay? That's not what the Spirit, that's not what the Spirit that God gave us, but gives us power Love and self-discipline. That's that sound mind. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. So don't be afraid. Don't, don't be, Timothy, ashamed to be a follower of Christ. Timothy was, was facing conflict within the church, but just like Paul, he, he was facing the uncertainty of, of persecution from those who were not believers in Christ. So this is really, he's speaking about the worst kind of trial, which is physical persecution unto death here. Makes our trials seem a little insignificant if you look at it from that perspective. Or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, so, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This was his plan from the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, praise God, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed to herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering, he says, because I decided to follow Christ, because I decided to fulfill his purpose for my life, because I'm walking in obedience to God, because I'm close to God. Because of this, I, I'm, this is why I'm suffering, as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know, see, this was a secret. He says, in spite of all the suffering, in spite of all the rejection, beside of being naked and hungry and shipwrecked three times and floating in the ocean for over 24 hours, just night and day, just beside all this, being rejected by possibly family, definitely rejected by Jews, rejected by Gentiles, I mean, being left dead, being stoned, and I don't mean that he went out and got a buzz on, we're talking about literally rocks being, being pelted with rocks, and all that, he, he learned something that, that would help him during this time, that maturity that took place, and he says, I'm going to finish strong because there's something I know. More now than ever in my life, I have come to understand there's so much that I don't know. There's so much, as much as I, I, I think I know with my 50 years, 56 years of life, there's so much I think I know, but the reality is I'm, I'm coming to the understanding there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a whole lot more I don't know than I do know. You know, someone the other day with the uptick of COVID, Pastor, what do you think is going to happen with COVID? I don't know. I'm just being honest, I don't know. What do you think is going to happen in the Ukraine with this war with Russia? I don't know. Pastor, what do you think is going to happen with the economy and with all the gas going up and, and the interest rates going up and, and inflation? I don't know. I think our dollar is going to go a lot less further than it used to. I think we might need to start living within the word of God and, and the principles of God about let's stay out of debt. I, 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 mean, I mean, there's some things, I, but I don't know what's going to happen. Pastor, what do you think is going to happen to the church of the world with everything that's going on? 
I don't really know. I don't, I don't pretend to know. I can, I can speculate, but I, I just don't understand everything. There's a lot that I don't know. Paul had gone through a lot. He was suffering and facing death. And he said, but there's some things I do know. If you want to be successful at whatever life throws at your way, whether it's personally, whether it's a church, whether it's a community like with, with Hurricane Michael, whether it's a world pandemic, whether it's a war, whatever may be, whatever life throws at you, there's some things you have to know. And if you don't know these things, <laughs> then suffering, life, is going, to, is going to kick you around. It's going to kick you to the curve. It's going to take advantage of it. You're going to be, be beat up. You're going to be bruised. If anything, I wish I could take the faith that, that God has given me and still it in my kids and, and these young people over here because it, I, I know they, they don't see this. Matter of fact, when, when, when I was their age and my parents and my grandparents and the spiritual leaders of the church told me things were only going to get worse, all I could see was, hey, I just graduated from high school. Hey, I'm driving a 78 black firebird you know hey I'm going I'm going to college I got some money on my dresser at the house because I don't have any bills that's all I could see I wasn't but I'm telling you something things are going to get worse things are going to get worse you heard the spirit of God say just a few minutes ago don't keep listen do you see how God has orchestrated the service today I didn't tell the praise team want to sing today but I'm going to raise a hallelujah this is my testimony you hear oh what were they focusing on oh the cross the empty tomb see there's some things you have to know the spirit of God spoke through Deborah this morning why don't put your eyes on the world keep your eyes on me don't worry about the world I'm going to take care of you see there's some things you have to know because this world is going to only get worse amen pastor you're not being very encouraging today. That's not a very positive message. Okay, you want positive? I'm positive things are going to get worse. You want positivity? There you go. Hang your hat on that hook for a while. Goodness. What did he know? Paul says, I know. He says, this is what I know. Whom I have believed and am convinced. He is persuaded. He is convinced. There's, there, there's no iffy, what if? There's no sifting sand here. He's built the foundation, which I almost preached that message today, on the foundation of a rock, a sure foundation of what? That, hey, I know that I believe in. I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That's what Paul knows. He knows something. I think it's important. Uh, to, in, in a generation that is questioning everything about God. There's this concept of uh, uh, deconstructing faith today. And I don't want to go into details because I don't know much about it. There's something else I don't know. But I keep hearing this idea about deconstructing. And what they're trying to do is take the Word of God and take their faith, the, the younger generation. And, and, and this is from within. This isn't outside. This isn't unbelievers. These are people who profess Christ. And they're tearing it down. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to looking at Scripture and, and questioning, hey, you know, how did this, that. I mean, I think there's knowledge and, and, and understanding. But I don't think we need to tear it down to the point that we stop believing what the Word of God says. I don't really think we need to tear down church to the point that we no longer believe in the church. Is church perfect today? No. Is it exactly the way God designed it? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean that I give up on the church. That doesn't mean just because I don't understand everything that's in this book and why he did some of the things he did. I don't understand that. But nonetheless, this, I know that it's his Word. Why tear something down? That has been so affected and has worked for 2,000 years. I want you to know some things. I want you to be convinced of some things this morning. Because life will come at you at the speed of light. So you better know some things. You better get a hold of some things in your mind and what you believe. Don't be a part of the group that questions what God has already said in his word. Don't be a part of that group. Don't question him. Just be convinced of what you know about him. Be strongly persuaded so turn to Job chapter 38 I told you we're going to take a trip today on that good old gospel ship can I sing I'm going to take a trip in the good old gospel ship all right my son Alex will take whoever can name the group that's singing that song he'll take them to lunch today who sang that song that's so popular yes Jerry Milo and Fever and Broken Heart you got to buy your mama lunch today son that was not a setup I'm just telling you that's it Today I want us, for the rest of this message, I've got three points I want to bring out to you that's very theological. 
it's going to sound like a theological. I don't, I don't say that. Maybe you say, well, they don't sound theological. Theological means our understanding of God and his word. I, we've got to break it down. There's going to be some terms here that are going to sound very textbooky, but I think we need to understand these things as we understand the nature of God and who he is, okay? And we're going to be looking at Job. I think uh, Job, I think we can say that he's the head of the class of all the questioners in the Bible, all right, if you look at his story, we're not going to go there. We're going to be in chapter 38. But if you look at the first two chapters of Job, you're going to find that in those first two chapters, he loses his children. I don't mean a few children. I mean all of his children. Sometimes that looks very promising, but I'm just joking when I say that. All right? All right, so he loses his children. Not only does he lose his children, but he loses his wealth, his livestock. If you read the story, the very God had blessed him. Very, very wealthy man. God had blessed him richly. You also find that his workers on his ranch, his servants are taken from him. He even loses his health. He's, his body is riddled with sores and boils, see. Uh, he loses everything except for his life and his wife. And if you don't know the story, is where God actually calls him up and says, have you considered, Satan's asking questions or to and fro and trying to find somebody. He says, have you considered my servant Job? Thank you, God, for pointing me out to Satan. He says, you can do anything you want to, but you can't kill him. And so he takes all this stuff from him, except for his wife. And I don't know, it's just my sense of humor. I think God said, hey, Satan, don't forget, don't forget Job's wife. And I think Satan probably says, don't worry about it, God. I know what I'm doing here. All right? That's not a reflection on my wife. Amen? I got one brave soul in here. Yeah, leave me up here by myself, guys. All right, that was, obviously, uh. I was joking with that, but that's true. Everything, he couldn't take his life, and, and Satan chose not to take, take Job's wife. Then the next 36 chapters, it's kind of like Job and his friends, these guys show up, and they start deconstructing. Now, understand, they didn't have the Word of God. They didn't have a church then. Matter of fact, if you look at the history of Job or the timeline of Job, Job would fall somewhere around Genesis chapter 10, we believe. It's actually, story-wise, outside of, the creation is one of the oldest books in the Bible chronologically. But he had an experience with God. He knew who God was. Otherwise, God would not have said, have you considered my servant, Job? And so Job's going through a lot. Hardship, trial, tribulation, pain, suffering, losing his family, all but his wife, his home, everything. He's, he's, and so his friends, and they start deconstructed. They start asking all of these questions about God and God's plan and who really God is. And, and over in verse 38, chapter 38, verse 1, it says this, all right, God had enough. And he says, okay, Job, you've asked me some questions. Now let me ask you some questions. And Job spoke to, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. So almost as if the, is it the storm of life or did he just come down maybe come down in a storm right and he said who is it this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge God's about to explain some things to Job I got some explaining to you buddy you ready to give an explanation here you have some questions well here you go brace yourself like a man okay I will question you and you shall answer me where were you when I laid the earth's foundation tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know who stretched out the measuring line across it. So God, God's asking some pretty tough questions here. You think you know? You're questioning me? You're questioning how I'm doing things? You're questioning life? You're questioning all this? Here you go. Here's some questions. By the way, I got a few more. Over verse 12, he says this. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Job, have you done that? Have you journeyed to the springs, verse 16, of, of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwelling? And then we get down to verse 21. Surely, Job, surely, come on. You know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. And I know I read this through my personality, which is perfect in every way. It's like God is being a little sarcastic here. Surely, come on. You know this. You've been alive so long. Oh, all the experiences. You have to know this. Oh, come on. Job finally gets, gets to the place where we need to get. 
He does. He finally gets to the place we all need to get. And then we need to know some things that he figured out. We're going to look at these three things I see within this scripture. Within Job's story, there are three foundational, I use the word attributes or qualities or facts of who God is that Job discovered in the process of his suffering. Chapter 40, verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand, what? Over my mouth. We need to learn to do that sometimes, don't we? He discovered that he's not as smart as God. That's what he discovered, see? That, uh, that term, um, unworthy, literally means I'm small compared to you. I'm, I'm insignificant compared to you, God. I'm nothing compared to you, Father. I know I'm not as smart as you, God. I can't compare to you, including my intelligence. I can't compete with you. So I put my hand over my mouth. I dare not speak because if I do, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to show my ignorance again. That's really what he's saying. Then in in chapter 42, verse 1, turn on over there real quick. Job responds this way. He found out some things. And within here are these three foundational truths. Verses 1 through 5. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know. All right, first thing that Job found out, something he knows now. That you can do all things, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? So let me tell you something else that I know now, that I'm sure of. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak, I will question you and you shall answer me. So here's a third thing. God, I know about you, my ears have heard of you, but now I'm up close, I'm personal with you, my eyes have seen you. So within this scripture text, you're going to see there's three things that Job, as I read it, as I understand it, that Job came to understand that he realized these are things I I have, these are the foundational attributes of God above everything else. Yes, I know he's merciful. Yes, I know he's full of love. I, I, I understand these things. He's full of grace. But here's the three things that you better know in life because life is going to treat you bad. Life is going to kick you to the curb. Life is going to try to beat you up, whether that's just circumstances in life, whether that's a tick tack the enemy or things that you brought on yourself these are three things you better know about God and the first one we need to know is quite simple okay Job discovered what that God is omnipotent that he's all powerful see he says I understand that you are all powerful I understand that I am not but you are all powerful over in Colossians chapter 1 Paul speaking to the church in Colossae he said this For in him all things were, you know this, were created. All right? If he has the power to create all things, I think he has the power to handle whatever I'm going through. But you've got to know this. You've got to be confident of this thing, right? If he has the power to speak to stars in extension, if he has the power to part the Red Sea, come on, if he has the power to feed 5,000 with just a small little meal, he has the power to take care of whatever I am facing. He can handle it. See, we're created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, the things I don't see even. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, it doesn't matter what it is I'm coming through, no matter what's coming against me, no matter what's out there, he created it, he can handle it. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's your God. If you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you have placed yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you need to know. It doesn't change if you're not, but if you are, then you live in the benefit. You better know that God is all-powerful. You didn't know that. God is at work in your situation, whether you see him or not. You need to know that, that he's working everything out for your good and his glory. Whether you understand that or not, you need to know that he's always at work. He's always doing something. And even when he's not doing something, he's doing something. God is very intentional. When he's doing something, he is doing something. When he's not doing something, he's still doing something because of his intentionality. It may appear like he's not working in your behalf. It may appear like he's not hearing your prayers. But I promise you, God is all-powerful, and he is at work in your life, in your circumstances. Why? Because he's wanting to produce something in you. He's wanting you to grow. See what I'm talking He wants you to mature. Even through the things that you bring on yourself. There's a lot of my crisis, a lot of my, 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 my persecution, if you want to call that, my suffering, is self-inflicted. We have discovered who the enemy is, and it's me. But even through that, God will come alongside of me. He may not always deliver me from my demise because why? I want you never to do this again. Can I tell you something I'll never do again? 
I will never put my hand on the eye of the stove when it's on. I'll know why. I did it one time. Come on. You know, I'll never get married. No, I won't go there. Okay, let's keep moving. I'll never get married again because I'm married to the most wonderful woman in all the world. And out of faith, I speak to her cooking. No, by the way, I joke about her cooking. She's a good cook most of the time. All right. No, she is. She is. You need to know this about God. You need to know that God is at work in your situation. Sometimes we're praying, God, get me out of this situation. God's, God, just stop the pain. Come on. And we forget that God is all-powerful and is always at work. It may be that he's allowing you to go through what you're going through for your benefit, for your growth. I think about Paul in the New Testament. You know, Paul, Paul was sent to prison. He said, well, they're going to send you to prison if you, if you leave here. They're going to arrest you. That's okay. Matter of fact, there is a jailer in Philippi that I got just close to receiving Christ. I think if you'll take me and put me back in there, let him be my, my jailer, I think I'll reach him. They're going to throw you. You know what? I'm going to take advantage of this time, and I'm going to finish my letters to the churches. You know, because when, when I'm not in prison, man, I don't get any rest. I'm either shipwrecked or I'm hungry. I'm right, you know, here, Paul, at least I get three meals and a place to sleep when I'm in prison. i got time to write, you know? No, he takes advantage of that, you see. They're going to kill you, Paul. You're going to throw, you, yeah. Paul says, what he said? You know what? To live is Christ. To die is gain. You can't, you know, if you live with that mindset, there's nothing anybody could ever do to hurt you, to destroy you, or to, to undermine you, to discourage you, to live. Listen, I'm going to live as long as God desires me to live. And the moment he's ready for me to go home, he's going to say, come on. Come on. You know what? It may be in a car accident. It may be through cancer. It may be a heart attack. It may be at the hands of my wife, right, for making fun of her cooking, which is actually phenomenal. See? But nonetheless, I won't go until, I, 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 that's, that's what I believe. All right, I, I, need, I need to pick up the pace here, I know. If there's something I need to know, it's this, that God is all-powerful. How do I know this? We learn this, we learn that God is omnipotent by reading his word. I'm not going to expand on that because of time's sake. But you just need to know it is through reading his word. You need to go in there and you need to look how God has been faithful, how he's been faithful. I will tell you this, a good judge of God's future activity, God's future work is look at his faithfulness, is look at his past faithfulness. You want to see how God's going to work in the future? Look how he's worked in the past. See? Come on. We have to know this. We have to know that God's all-powerful, and because he wants us to grow in him, he's always working whether we see it or not. The next thing you need to know that Job found out is that God is omniscient, which means, that's a fancy word, just means what? He's all-knowing. Chapter 42, 3, it says at the end of verse 3, it says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things what too wonderful for me to know. What's Job saying here? He's saying, hey, there's some things I didn't know, but God, you do. There's some things I don't understand, but God, you do. To be successful in suffering, to mature in the Lord through suffering, to survive the hardships of life, you have to know this. You don't know it all, but guess who does? God knows it all. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, For now we see only a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. If you know anything about a reflection, you know reflection is not a perfect image of what it's reflecting. Matter of fact, one translation says it's like a cloud, smoky. But what we do know is that as we grow in the Lord, God does reveal more things to us, doesn't he? I do know more about his character and his purpose for my life because of the experience I've gone through. But you know what? I will never know everything I need to know until I'm face to face. Until then. When is then? Until I'm in heaven. Until I see him face to face. Then I will have the full mind of Christ. I won't have any questions. I will know. But until then, I just have to understand he's all-powerful and he knows things that I do not know. How do we come to that realization? If it's through reading the Word of God that we understand how powerful God is, how, how do we get to the place that we understand and trust God with things we don't know? And it's done through prayer. It's done through prayer. This is a very basic Christian message, but you need to see it through this story. It's, it's through prayer. When we go to the Lord in prayer, what are we doing? We're unloading on him. We're saying, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I'm trusting you with everything. Come on, somebody. right? You're, you're unloading. I don't get everything, I, but nonetheless. Lord, if it was me, this is how I would do things. Have you ever had that conversation with God? 
God, if it was me, this is how I would handle this situation. This is how I would do this. But nonetheless, Lord, I trust that you know more than I do, so I leave it in your hands. Not my will, God, but your will be done. This is done in prayer. If you're carrying the burdens of life, why do you think Jesus encouraged us to cast our cares upon him? Why does Paul encourage us to cast our cares? Jesus said, come to me all you heavy laden. Right? Paul says, cast your care. Was it Paul? Peter. One of those two guys, forgive me. That's not my note. But he said, hey, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Why? How do you do that? You do that in prayer. You're saying, I don't understand it. Lord, I don't get this. Why does mama fall and break her pelvic bone? I don't get it. Nonetheless, Lord, I don't know, but you do know. See, Why, why does my sister have COVID? She's so important. She's needed at the hospital. Why? I don't know. But God, I trust that you know. I can look it throughout here. I can look throughout this room at everybody that's gone through things. And you, and it, why? Sometimes we don't know, but we trust God does know. And through our prayer life, we entrust him with those things. You better know he's all-powerful. And he's working in your, he's working no matter what you're going through to perfect you, to grow you, to strengthen you, to mature you so your faith will grow. And also, when you, you better know that even though you don't know, he does know. The fact of the matter is, if you knew everything, if he put his knowledge, if, if, if your brain was the container for his knowledge, it, trust me, whew, he wouldn't be very smart, would he? Our brain is so limited. It's powerful, but it's so limited. There's no way even one one hundredth, I don't know, of two of the millionth, uh, of his knowledge, his wisdom could be implanted in our minds. There's just no way because that's how, that's how much God knows. How much he knows. 1 John three nineteen says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. When my heart condemns me, God, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. Oh, I feel so hopeless. Oh, God, I'm so discouraged. God, I'm fighting depression. Father, I don't, I'm, I'm ready to give up. I'm afraid, God. I'm af- it's amazing to me how many believers in Christ have given up on God because they don't have this foundational truth that God's always at work and he's knowing. And so what do we do? We say, oh, my heart, my heart is not at rest. My heart is condemning me. I'm just overwhelmed with, amaz- with all these emotions. That's when we go to the Lord and say, Father, I don't get it, but you have it. I'm giving it to you. I don't understand it. I don't know. Don't know how this is going to turn out, but I trust that you will. I'm leaving it in your hands. You need to know the attribute of omniscience of God is found in prayer. I think I said that. So let's look at the third thing quickly, then we'll close. God's all-powerful. We need to know that. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing. And if you know anything about the three attributes of God, you know what the third one is, right? He's omnipresent. God's omnipresent. God is everywhere, or it's another way to say that, he, he's there. If he's everywhere, he's there. Where is there? Wherever you are. You better know that. Now, I'm going to give you a little theological understanding. God himself, in the form of God the Father, is not everywhere. Where is he at? Throne room of heaven. We know that God and the Son, Jesus, is not everywhere. Where is he at? It's at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the Father to say, go. He's there interceding for us, and he's waiting. I love that picture. It's like it says that he's seated, really, next to his Father. And, he's, and, and, and what do you say? The world, the earth, is his foot, footstool. So it's like he's reclining, just waiting for his Father to say, go get him. Why? Because the work's done. You've heard that message. The work's done. There's nothing else for him to do other than he's our intercessory before the Father. Right? Then there's the Father, there's the God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Where is he at? He's everywhere. He is everywhere. Look back. Job figured this out. Uh, Job 42, 5 says, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. This verse gives the idea of distance and closeness, see? I have heard you from a distance, but now I am face to face with you, God. Right? I'm there in your presence. You're in my presence. God is near. Hebrews 13 says this. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The question I have for all of you. Do you believe this? Do you? Are you confident? Are you without a shadow? Are you convicted? 
That's a word we don't hear a lot. I like it. Are your convictions to the place that you understand that God is all-powerful and He's working in your behalf, that God is all-knowing when you don't understand He knows what He's doing, and that He's everywhere, even in your midst? We have to be convinced because, let me tell you something, life is going to come at you at the speed of light. You better understand these things. So we say with confidence. What do we say with confidence? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I know that God is with me. You have to be confident in that. I know God's all-powerful. He's always at work. I know that God is, is, is all-knowing. He understands what's happening in my life. And I know that he is with me always. One of my favorite verses, I know I use that a lot, but this, I, I love the Word of God. It, it just, it just it, it teaches us, it shows us so much. Isaiah 43, matter of fact, I want you to turn to Isaiah 43 with me. And I want you to highlight this, mark it somehow or another. This needs to, this needs to be at one of those go-to scriptures. And this is one I go to all the time. I share it with people when they're going through crisis. Isaiah 43, 1 says this, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. What I like to do is say, put your name in there, all right? But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Tony, amen? He who formed you, Sherry. He who created you, Gavin, amen? He who formed you, Pastor JP, come on, come on. He who, who created you, he who formed you. Put Carl, put your name in that place. Steve, put your name in there because he's, he said, well, this is an Old Testament. No, but this principle is true because he created you and he formed you just like he did these countries, these people that he called his people in the Old Testament. So he, he says that, listen, he says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. Have you been redeemed? This is the foreshadowing scripture of what Christ does, see. Have you been redeemed? Amen. I have been redeemed by the blood. I have summoned you, excuse me, yes, he says, I, uh, you've been redeemed. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That tells me that he knows my name. That tells me he knows your name. He knows everybody's name. He even knows the names of those who are not following him, who have not put their trust and faith in Christ. He knows everybody's name, but most importantly, he knows my name. I'm just not another Tony. See, he knows my name. He says, and I belong to him. So he tells me, when you pass through the waters... When you, see, even God's being positive here. It's not if, he's being very positive. You want a positive word from God? When you go through the waters, when, when, when the waters come around you and you feel like you're about to drown, when it's overwhelming and the rush of the water, the undertow is trying to take you out to sea, when you feel like you can't tread the water anymore, when you're about to go down, you barely keep your nose, your head above water, he says, when this happens to you, you got to understand that it's going to happen to you. He says, I will be with you. He says that. He says, and when you pass through the river, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, oh my goodness, the fire. He ain't talking about, the, excuse my vernacular there, the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about the fire. He's talking about the trials of life. When, they, when, the, when you face the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will, uh, will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. Cush and Sheba in your stead. He said, look, I have purchased you. This is the, this is the value. Those were the prime quality parts of Egypt, the, the wealthy land. He said, no, 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 I have purchased you like that. I have put them in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Come on, give God praise in the house. You know, I don't know if there's a worse feeling than feeling like you're alone. But as followers of Christ, we should never feel that way because God, He is always near to you. You may have a friend who betrays you and turns his back on you. Come on. You may have a spouse who divorces you. Your children may turn their back on you. You may have a co-worker who undermines you. But I'm here to tell you today, God is not that person. God is not going to leave you. He's not going to turn his back on you. He will go before you. He will be behind you. He will surround you with his Holy Spirit and he will protect you and lead you and guide you because that's how he feels about you. He loves you. He cares about you. We're going to go through some tough times in life. And we may not like this, but many times God's going to allow it because he has a purpose for it. There is purpose in our suffering. And I want you to pass the test. I want you to be successful in your suffering. I don't want you to have to keep going. 
A lot of times testing is to see if you can go into the next grade. I want you to pass. You don't have to go through that. Now, you may have to go through something else. But let's not go through that again. Amen? If you want to mature through the process, there's some things you have to know. We get the attribute of God's omnipotence, his all-powerfulness through his word. We get the attribute or, uh, 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 or the quality of him being omniscient through prayer. And the attribute of omnipresence of God is found in worship. I told you this is a very foundational message. But these are things you have to know. God is all-powerful. You know this because of his word. You've seen him do it in your life. See, He's all-knowing, even when you don't understand it. How do we know? How do we? How do we trust him? We hand things over to him in prayer. But he's also everywhere. He's omnipresent. You know what? We know that through our worship. I love a few moments ago as we worship God. And I already said, I paraphrase the scripture. He's enthroned on the praises of his people. We like to say he inhabits. Really, that just means when we worship, praise him. He just comes and we 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 place him on the throne when we praise and worship him. He's there, but we place him. On the thrones of our hearts, our lives, our souls. And I love that aspect. I've heard people say before, I can't find God. I don't feel God. I can't seem to locate God. And I'm going to tell you right now, you want to locate God? You want to feel God? Worship wherever you are. And when you do, God shows up where you're at. Because he's already there. But what you're doing is you're focusing on him. See? we got to know these things. I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of stuff in life. There's so much uncertainty in life. I don't. There's a lot of uncertainty in my life right now. I don't know. I don't. But I do know this. Whatever I entrust him with, he's going to take care of it. Why? Because he is all-powerful. He can do anything, and he wants to do things for me. He's all-knowing. I don't understand. Why am I going down this path? Why am I facing this? I don't understand. But nonetheless, Lord, I give it to you. I know you're going to be faithful because you've been faithful in the past, in my life and in your word. And even into the future, you talk about you're going to come back and you're going to destroy the enemies and you're going to set up a, we're going to have a great meal. We're going to reign with thousand years for you. You're going to create a new heaven and new earth. Just like you created the old earth, you're going to create, Lord, I can trust you with that. You're all-powerful. You know everything. And Lord, you're everywhere. You're everywhere. So praise team comes. Sorry, I should have already called you all up here. I would be remiss to preach a message like this and just bless you and send you off. The reality of it is, you may be here this morning and you don't know. You may be here this morning and you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's a reality. I've looked through here. Most of us are home folks. But I dare not just assume that. And so it begins by first knowing God through his son Jesus. Through salvation. And then from there developing these attributes of God. Through his word, through his prayer, through prayer and through worship. So if you're here this morning... And you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we'd like to. I want to invite you up front. Oh, that's going to embarrass me. I promise you. If I had everybody. Let me ask you this. Everybody who came to an altar. I know not everybody does it this way. But if you came to the altar in front of a church body. And gave your heart to Jesus. Raise your hand. We've, most of us, haven't we? I'm not saying that's the only way. I'm not saying it's the right way. Because I don't always do it this way. But I need to be obedient today. I feel compelled today. If that's you and you want to be introduced to God through his son Jesus. And become a, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And begin this process of knowing God. Being convinced of what you know about him. I want to invite you to the altars right now. Will you come? I may be missed. I may be wrong. There may be nobody in here, but maybe there's somebody who needs to give their heart to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've walked away from God and you want to reconfirm your faith in Him. He hasn't left you. He's right where you left Him. As the prodigal father, the son, the, the, the father of the prodigal son, he's waiting. He's got a ring. 
got a robe and he's got some sandals to put on them, them feet of yours. Anybody at all, quickly. Anybody at all. Okay. Then the next thing I want to ask, and I'm not doing this so I can say we had an altar call. Now again, why preach a message like this if I don't offer people the opportunity to be prayed for? Because the reality of it is, you may say, I know these things, but man, I'm going through a hard time. And I just need people to agree with me in prayer. I want to pray for you. I pray as the Lord leads me, as the Spirit leads me. I may pray, God, deliver them from this. I may say, God, help them learn what you're trying to teach them. I don't know. But if you want special prayer this morning, if you're sick in your body, you got a circumstance that's out of your control, you got the uncertainty of what to do, you're looking for wisdom. The Bible teaches, James says, call for the elders of the church to come lay hands on you, to pray for you. And so let us do that today. Anybody at all this morning who needs special prayer? Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.